the Life Above Eight. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Brad, and now I'm going to introduce the other half of the shit show. Hey, my name is Mark. Um, welcome. Glad to be here. And we're going to be talking to you about our experiences in the outdoors. We're just a couple of guys who love the outdoors and doing different things, and we're trying to do as much as we can outside, so we just want to share our experiences. I want to give a little explanation to uh, what the term Life Above 8 means. Obviously, we're from Wisconsin, um, and Life Above 8. Uh, Can you tell by the accent? I, I think so. Well, I don't think we have an accent, but I've been Everybody told, else does, right? Yeah. I, 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 think, I think we sound normal. I think everyone else has an accent. Okay, fair enough. Um, but... If we uh, say stuff like or no, that might be a more of a giveaway that we're from Wisconsin or you betcha. Yeah. Or if we have old fashioned, it might be a giveaway. But um, the number eight in our name, Life Above Eight, refers to Highway 8. So if you're familiar with Wisconsin, you know that to some is considered the start of up north. And we are north of that. So obviously our cabins are north of Highway 8 and our normal lives are south of Highway 8. So Highway 8 kind of represents the physical boundary of where our, I don't know, fun, happy time weekend starts? Is that how we describe It's where the relaxation begins. You know, we leave our normal life behind us. There's just something magical about that borderline. Um, Call it what you want. Everybody has a different borderline that they consider up north. For some reason, ours always seem to be Highway 8. And it's almost, not to sound cliche, but it's almost a magical experience once you get above there. It's literally like your anxieties and your work life goes away and you can start relaxing. I don't know what it is about it, but that's where we came up with this name because we've always talked about that being our magical border. And we are, it's our life above eight, and that's where we go to relax. Well, I mean, even when we first met each other, and we'll get into that a little bit later, but we first met each other, Highway 8, when we were younger, um, and I'll admit this, is when... If we weren't driving, the pastor may crack a beer. Yeah, that's where it was legal to crack a beer. Yep, and it seemed seemed like it was very acceptable. And um, you have two guys who didn't know each other that still came to that same conclusion. You get the highway, it's time to crack a beer. So it seems like a very good representation of where our halftime starts. Yep, it really did. So that's where we came up with this name. And then uh, once we got to know each other, by the way, we are neighbors at our vacation areas. Um, back home, we live about two hours apart. Yep. But we ran into each other. We live right across the road from each other at our up north vacation getaways. So that's how we got to know each other. So we're neighbors here. And as the years progressed, we just seemed to have more and more in common. And we both have a great love for the outdoors. And we thought we had a great love for the outdoors to begin with. But as we've been up here, we've delved into. Mm-hmm. I'll say we've delved into a lot of different things, uh, and we'll talk about different things in different podcasts, but we've done things that we've never experienced before, like making maple syrup or Absolutely. trapping or, you know, just dealing with beavers. And that's probably what we're going to talk a little bit about today. Absolutely. Because uh, Brad's got a beaver nuisance problem over by his house. And no, it's not the beavers in Eagle River like people are <laughs> accustomed to. <laughs> uh, but legitimate beaver issues that we were trying to take care of. And it's just, it's different outdoor experiences that we want to share with you. Yeah, I think the the best way to articulate that is our foundation is kind of built on everything else outdoors, outside. Um, whether it's 
trapping, whether it's hunting, whether it's four-wheeling, whether it's sitting on the back deck having a happy hour, everything's kind of been an outdoor experience, and we've kind of layered on top of that as uh, years have progressed, um, mm -hmm. and it's, it's been fun, and we thought that, you know, we like talking about it. Um, so, of I, course, you're going to love hearing us talk about it, too, right? Absolutely. <laughs> I, I think that's really what this is about, that we have some really good opinions, and we want to share them with other people besides the two of us. So. Yeah. Um, besides our wives, I always think that we get more interesting the more we drink. I absolutely so. agree. My <laughs> wife has said that we get north of Highway 8 and we turn into Davy Crockett and Daniel Boone. Yeah, we're not sure which one's which. but <laughs> Yeah, we're still figuring that out. But uh, we usually have a pretty good time. Um, so our kind of intent is really to, we'll, every uh, every time we, we, we talk, we'll probably have a new experience and tell you what we're dealing with, what we're doing. Um, it might be lighthearted. It might be serious. Um, and when I say serious, I would say more serious hunting topics, but it's going to be outdoor topics and stuff that we've, uh, that we've been doing lately and kind of share, share our adventures with you. Yeah. So to be truthful, we haven't been up here for a little bit, um, with the holidays and everything going on. And this year's been a little strange with the COVID going on. So Brad, how'd you do hunting this year? Deer hunting this year? I had a wonderful year hunting. Um, and so you'll, you'll, find this out about me and Mark that one thing that's very important to us is that uh, the animals we harvest we use we we cook we're very big I, I don't think we're foodies but when it comes to the wild game we I, I'd say we kind of are yeah, we, we try like not to waste anything don't waste anything we try to do a different thing and I'll give you a really good example tonight for supper uh, Mark's son Josh caught a very nice uh, rainbow trout trout on Lake Michigan mm -hmm. that's what we had in the grill tonight and that was wonderful tomorrow we're having venison steak uh but that's so we we definitely like to eat what we harvest. And if you hear weird noise in the background, I'm going to give you a heads up right now. You might hear a noise that sounds like this. That is the drink that I'm drinking, and the noise you just heard the big thump is the fireplace that's heating the cabin we're at right now. Yep. Or you might hear or a bush. Be a bush. Yeah. So it could be a beer cracking in the back. Beer beer cracking. Um, but to get the max back to Mark's. Uh, question um i had a very good year hunting um i got a couple dough for the freezer so i consider that a success i've seen a lot of deer um full disclosure that i hunt south of highway 8 so i don't want to misrepresent anything um but i had a wonderful year i got i got three dough for the freezer i shot one with uh, the muzzle loader and a couple with a rifle pretty excited about that um so i guess i'll i'll ask mark the same question how'd you do this year I'm glad you had a good year. Uh, so, full disclosure, I hunt North Highway. I actually hunt here on my property. And I did okay. I got one small buck as a spiker. And I put it in probably over 80 to 100 hours in stand this year between bow hunting and gun season. I saw two bucks total. And oh, wow. I didn't even see any does while I was on stand at all. And, by the way, obviously I'm not a trophy hunter. So I'm a meat hunter. I, I do enjoy filling my freezer. And my my dad, he got a doe this year up here. But other than that, it's been a slow-picking year. Uh, I think some this is not to get off on a tangent, but I think a lot of that has to do with the predators up here. And hopefully that now that Wisconsin has delisted the wolf population and we get a trapping season in next year, it'll help take care of some of that. But I'm not going to get off on that tangent right now. But you know, we've got to get this deer population thing back under control up here. So just definitely not going to a tangent tonight, but just to 
to let everyone know that it's not just a fake thing, a, a talking point, that we were checking trail camera pictures tonight, and we had a picture of a wolf on our camera, so it's not, yeah. this Big is enough. in our backyard up here, it's big old wolf so yeah. and not only that um pictures of bobcats they take out fawns too um obviously there's a lot of bear up here too we, you know we're all bear hunters that's another thing that we've never done before we moved up here either is uh, bear hunting and that is just a blast doing the whole start to finish the baiting the hunting the getting pictures all that stuff just knowing that you got bears within yards of your cabin yeah. is an interesting thought to begin with but boy when you see the size of some of those things that are walking around there it just kind of makes you wonder <laughs> oh yeah that, and that that kind of speaks to you know i i think uh part of the theme that we're all about is doing stuff yourself um i've never hunted bear before and i think it was 2012 i think i had the I had the first bear tag up here for the group. You had the first bear tag. I'm not sure which year it was. I think it was 2012, and we did our own baiting, and Mark obviously uh, helped me out. Um, I own land across the road. He let me hunt, uh, put some bear bait sites on his land and um, helped me bait. And the weekends I wasn't up here, and it was kind of a team effort, and uh, was able to successfully get a bear, and that was just a neat experience. And that's mm -hmm. been part of it, just doing everything yourself, figuring everything out. And, and just uh, the variety of bears, too. I mean. Yeah, you see a lot of the same ones here and there, mm -hmm. but some of them, my gosh, you're going to hear us probably talking about one we refer to as Colossus. Yeah. It's just a pig. The thing by now has got to be five, six hundred pounds. Huge. It, it's just a massive bear, and people think we're exaggerating it until we show pictures of it, and they're like, wow. You know, it's just it's at least that. And if... if the, the nine people we know that know about this website and our pop, <laughs> podcast, uh, one thing, you'll, we're very much amateurish on this, and I, you'll be able to tell this from listening to this, but we do have a website, and we do have uh, an Instagram account. and uh, Yeah, we have a social media Twitter, account, Instagram, and we'll Facebook. get some of that stuff on there. We have a picture of Colossus. Mm -hmm. So he, 2012 was the first time we were introduced to Colossus where we really took notice. Yeah, and he's still around. And he's still around, and it's 2021. Well, 2020, yeah. we, we had pictures this last fall. In of him, 2020, so. we still had pictures, yes. So assuming he made it through the season and uh, put this into context, too, though, the land that we we have, and Mark, you can talk about this a little bit, it's, it's a lot of chunks of private land. There's not public land around, so it's completely plausible. Yeah. But, yeah. He lives in this area, and he's not getting pressured a lot, and there's not a lot of people hunting him. So he, he could live to be a good 700-pound bear. He may very well die of old age. Yep. <laughs> and we have not. I mean, I've never had a picture of him in daylight hours of you. Yes, I have. Really? Yes. Um, but not full picture, you know, just like the front half of him or something like that. and uh, Just not a great picture of him. But, yes, I have had him in daylight hours. Wow. You know, he doesn't make too many mistakes. No, he really doesn't. He and doesn't the weird thing to be by being stupid. Well, the weird thing about it is that we'd have a lot of different pictures of different bear, um, sows, cubs, younger boars, and when Colossus come through, he would clear out everything yeah. for about two or three days. Everything just leaves. Yeah. They know he's coming. He must have an odor to him. Um, and I'm guessing if he runs into a cub, he's going to eat it, and no one wants it to have anything to do with him. Um, mm -hmm. We had talks like when we were. So we get all these bear pictures, and to me, in my mind, that's real easy to go shoot a bear. 
we get all these pictures of them. They're coming in every day. <laughs> we start talking about how we get across the side of the woods. We got to get a tractor. We're going to have to clear out a path. And then reality kind of hit when you realize that just because they're on camera pictures, that's not reality. And it quickly shuts down around here. Um, but the day before <laughs> bear season opens, they kind of disappear until night. It's it's strange, but yeah, it's like clockwork throughout the summer and early fall when you get you got them coming in same time every day, mm-hmm. and you think it's just going to be a cakewalk, and then all of a sudden it just shuts down. And, yeah, so it's not quite not quite that simple. No, and it's we had the I, I'm pretty sure it was 2012. We, my dad and I both had bear tags. Um, we had started baiting on both properties. Your property was the hot property, and uh, it was about two weeks before the bear season actually started that we started getting some hits on ours. So mm-hmm. Dad hunted on our property across the road. Um, 2012, so Wednesday uh, that year, we got the hunt. Thursday morning, we had horrific storms. Mm-hmm. We were staying. Well, that's up right. Here. You yep. lost power for a couple. Lost of days. power. Uh, came over here, start up your generator, get your fridge plugged yeah, in. That's right. We had hail. There was tornadoes. Um, so Thursday was kind of a lost cause, and Friday I was able to get out after the rain stopped. Um, even getting out to your stand, the stand that night on Friday, we had to cut with a handsaw because it wasn't fair to chainsaw. There was trees laying across the trail. Jeez. Couldn't even get out there. Got out there on a Friday, um, and I could tell my end of this perspective sitting in the stand, I think the more entertaining part was you and my brother Andy <laughs> and, um, snuff, and snuff, uh what happened to that, but... Uh, we had a, a deal set up that I shot one. I would text Andy and say, come get me. And that's cold for I hit a bear. Seems pretty self-explanatory. So I'm sitting in the stand. I'm going to tell this story now because we're getting into this. We're getting a rabbit hole. Go ahead. Yep, we, we got to do this. Um, sitting in the stand um, for probably, I don't know, two hours. Hadn't seen nothing. And it, for those of you who have bear hunted, you know how quiet they are. I literally looked down for about 30 seconds, looked back up, and there's a bear standing in the, the food yeah, plot. They are silent stuff. They're just, just like ninjas. And all of a sudden, it's there, and it's whipping around logs. And I'm like, okay, this is a bear. Didn't know, you know, and people are like, oh, I can judge the size. I knew it was legal. Um, but I didn't have much other thought besides that. I was like, I'm going to shoot this bear. So I finally gave me a shot. I shoot. It runs off, and I hear the the death moan, which people don't hear very often. I'm going to be honest with you, as a hunter, that was that was a little unsettling, but rewarding at the same time because I knew it was it was you know I had a good shot. So I text Andy. I said, "I hit one," or uh, "Come get me," and I get a text message back. Did you shoot one? Well, it was because we were sitting on the deck having happy hour, and we just fired up the grill too. And we hear the gunshot. So we're all excited. And Andy's like, I'm going to text. So we probably just crossed paths and texts or whatever. But It could have been. It could have been. But, if, yeah, that, that makes more sense. Because in my mind, I was like, well, Andy can't follow simple instructions. Because <laughs> I said, come get me means I shoot. Okay, Keep in so mind, though, we were drinking old-fashioned. We're going to get into that about yeah. your end of the story. And I have to explain this. Because I want to explain what happened from all my right, perspective. So we get, I finally, I, I text Andy. I said, hey, come get me. He said, you get one. I said, come get me. He goes on the way. So I start walking. I managed to walk almost the entire way back to the cabin, which is a couple hundred yards. It's about 400 yards. 
so not very organized in that part. And then when I hear some four-wheelers firing up, coming at me at a high rate of speed, I see you, Snuff, Andy, flying down the laneway, which isn't, you know, everyone's excited, but which is weird is that you guys had, like, knives in your hands. Well, what do you expect us to have? And lanterns. <laughs> was getting that time. <laughs> it wasn't close to that time. We didn't know how long of a tracking job was going to be. We came prepared. You guys are fired up. And when, I, when I say fired up, you guys are hammered. <laughs> <laughs> There's probably some truth to that. Um, so why don't you walk me through on how you got in that two hours, because when I went out hunting, you were not here. We weren't here yet? No, I Oh, we must have showed up like the second after you went out there because okay. we got here. I don't even remember what we all did, but I remember getting here and it's probably afternoon and Andy came over and uh, we fired up. We were having a couple drinks and I think we were drinking just old fashions and a couple beers and stuff like that. And we looked at the clock and we figured, well, I better fire up the grill because uh, a couple hours for the you know, the, the food, and by the time you get back, everything will be done then. So we fired up the grill and just got the charcoal going and made another old-fashioned. We're sitting there, and Andy had popped over, and all of a sudden, we're boom! It's like, oh, shit, is that Brad? <laughs> and it was everybody just kind of got jittery, and I'm going to text them, so that's where the mix came through, and then got the, come get me, so, Snuff's biggest worry is, oh, shit, what are we going to do about the grill now? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> shut the vents now. It'll go out, we'll relate it later. Oh, okay. So, we did that, and it's like, oh, we need some, we need to take some knives back. I don't know if Brad's got the knives. And then, uh, what else? Oh, we should probably take some flashlights or some lanterns back, too, in case we got to do a long tracking job, because it gets pretty dark back in the food plot area that brad was hunting where the bait was what we affectionately called the creepy plot uh, it's very kind of darkish oh, yeah, it's a, yeah it's a dank area yeah. dark and dank and we gets, can talk about the reason why i call it creepy yeah, different but it gets dark back there earlier than mm -hmm. the rest of the areas so we thought let's take some lanterns back in case we got to do a blood trail or do a tracking job so we went back prepared, and that's why he was picking on us. I feel like you glossed over on how you got, because you're a very skilled outdoorsman. Snuff is a very skilled outdoorsman. Andy's very skilled outdoorsman. You guys have been hunting for 20, 30 years. Never bear hunting. You though. literally unsheathed your knives. Unsheathed? Is that the right word? Probably. And we're driving with open were blades. Really? Yes. No, I don't remember that. And how you got to that stakes? You're also a very seasoned drinker. <laughs> it takes you quite a bit to get to that state. I, that I don't recall. I think you're making that up. I was sober. Yeah, apparently so was I. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't remember that. But who knows? I don't know. But at the end of the day, we can post pictures of this too. Absolutely. But Brad got the first bear off the property. First and only one so far. Um goes into a different story about why it's the only one. But um, oh, that's happy different. to hear or happy to see that he got the first one. That was a very proud moment for everybody. Yeah, and it kind of goes into our overall theme of just doing stuff yeah. by ourselves that you can do it. Uh, exactly. And, yeah, 
Granted, it wasn't. A, it was a trophy in the fact that you got your first bear, and it's a. Tr it'll always be a trophy. But you know, for your trophy hunters out there, it wasn't a Boone and Crockett one. No. You know, but does that take away the from the experience? Hell no. It no, was, no. We had the best time that night, and we had a few beers to celebrate after. And Absolutely. We had as much fun with that one as if it would have been a Boone and Crockett. Mm -hmm. And right. that's what we're all about. Yeah, just that's having what... fun and enjoying it. That's what you'll see that, you know, whether someone shoots a doe, uh, if they, even if they shoot a fawn, whatever they shoot, uh, you know, you, you celebrate it. It's not about, there's no metric that says what success is up here. It's, yeah. it's about the experience that, that someone has. Yeah, this isn't a Facebook site up here where people judge you for what you do. We're not, uh, you know, grin, uh, you know, take the picture, we put the horns out and, um, Definitely not what we're about, and to be honest with you, that gave gave me a lot of confidence on how to figure out to do stuff myself. Um, and we'll get into it at different different times. But uh, my background—I'm not a construction guy, but with the, the help of Mark. Yeah, so this is our first trip up here this week, this year, 2021, after the shit show of 2020. So, um, yeah, excuse us—we're just getting a little thirsty here, but um, after. Shit show of 2020, we came up here and trying to kick this year off a little bit better. So primary purpose this weekend is just really spend some time outside, do a little bit of trapping. Um, not doing any land trapping this weekend. Not a whole lot of time to do coyote or anything like that, but still trying to take care of Brad's beaver problem. And so I got actually got up here last night. Um, I worked from the cabin today, my regular job. I brought my computer up here today. and. Um, got done with my stuff and I decided to go out and take a walk around his marsh area. Just do a little bit of scouting. I thought this weekend, or last time I was up here, they trapped around the beaver lodges without much luck. We ended, I ended up getting one beaver. <laughs> yeah, this is kind of a story in itself, but we set some muskrat traps too in some of the runs where some muskrat push-ups were. Uh, and I had some... Bridger number one set up on some planks, I guess you would say. Yeah. And I actually caught a beaver by a toehold in one of those, which was a complete shock. But anyways. Well, but, I just want to say, we'll, we'll post a picture of that because yeah. you will not believe it from that. Uh, the the picture is almost yeah. unbelievable that he got a beaver, yeah. a, a good beaver too. And it, on the, number one, the number one bridger held that beaver in the toehold. So, but anyways. Um, wasn't really targeting it, but got one. So this weekend came up, and I went over to do some scouting. I was actually looking for some bank pens today because setting the lodges wasn't very fruitful for me last time. Uh, that seems to be more of a Hail Mary setup at this point. But So scouting around, walking around on the ice today, and I noticed some open areas of water, and it was just, I don't know how to describe it. I went over and checked it out. And there's so much activity. There's a couple push-ups of areas where you can tell animals are coming out. And I was looking at the tracks, and there's just so many tracks. I don't know how you describe it. They're overlapping each other. Can I just put this into context? Yeah. So this is new for all of us, but we're in Price County, Wisconsin. It's January. It's been below freezing for the, the last, month. Yeah, yeah, the last month at least. 
Um, no reason whatsoever based on that marsh uh, for any water to be open to the extent, especially what Mark's talking about. I mean, there was... It actually looked like bombs went off in the area yeah. because there was like, like slush on top of the water and just, uh, just I don't know, it's just slushy all over the mm -hmm. place from where they came out of Fresh the water. Fresh tracks and, and, and the ice so we can identify what species we got down there. Well, kind of. And that's what I was just going to go into is there's so many different tracks. It's hard to actually differentiate what's out there. We think we saw some mink tracks. We think we saw some beaver tracks. We know we've seen some otter tracks. We saw some otter slides. tracks and some otter slides. And it's just, we saw, we know we saw a bunch of coyote tracks coming up to check up mm -hmm. the open water. Digging and then, some of those. Yeah. And on the south end there, I, I swear there's some muskrat rat. Yeah. Um, tracks there too coming out of there so it was just a plethora of different things so uh, by the time i got done checking that all out i didn't take traps or anything i just did a little scouting excursion by the time i got done with that brad was coming up for the day mm -hmm. so we went over and took some 330s back and um, some muskrat traps and yep. stuff like that so we, we ended up setting a few muskrat traps and a couple 330s looking for some beaver or some otter there but Tomorrow we may send, end up setting some cable restraints for some coyotes too, just to see what's going on because there's so many coyote tracks as well. But it was, it was just a different experience. I've never seen something like that before. It's, it's also some weird weather. I mean, it, it's definitely cold, but it's really nice weather right now. Um, the way up here was mid 30s, almost the entire way up here, 33, I think, and lows in the teens. So, right now it is 13 degrees out. I don't think it ever got above like upper 20s up here today. Did it? Okay. So, I mean, it was nice days, but but that's the way it's been. Um, looking at the back forecast or the back temperatures, I'm not sure it got above freezing really for the last three weeks. There's been some nights, I don't know if you looked at it, but it's been down to like negative double digits okay so it's been cold and there should be a lot of ice out there and there's a couple areas oh, <laughs> not quite safe right so a good thing i walked through the first time with a spud bar because i did find a couple areas where uh, basically it was just covered with snow noise one well, and we only have we don't have a ton of snow we got a little bit probably what six inches i think i was gonna say six to eight in some six, areas yeah. Maybe, but yeah uh so hopefully Tomorrow, oh, how cool would it be if we get an otter out there? Oh, that'd be awesome. Never caught, for for the record, we are rookie trappers. Mm -hmm. Last year, we started trapping, maybe doing some coyote trapping and stuff like that. This was the first year we ever really, over the summer mm -hmm. and fall, trying to get some of those nuisance beavers out of there. It was the first time we ever did any type of water trapping. Yep. And to date, we've got three beaver out of there. And then we realized there's muskrats over there, too, so we started doing a little muskrat trapping. Yeah. Got a few muskrats out of there. I shouldn't say a few. I think we got two out of there so far, right? Two muskrats, three beavers, and um, we didn't know we had beavers when we were working on the cabin. Actually, I had a very tall roof, and Mark was up there uh, because he's braver than I am <laughs> on a 10, 12-pitch roof, 30 feet in the air, and happened to look in the marsh and was able to locate a beaver den. And more, just out of mention, they, there's a really big beaver den. Um, didn't really put any thought into it. And then our marsh, traditionally when we bought the property, was dry. Started getting more water and more water. So shocking, huh? Yeah, <laughs> to the point that all of a sudden it was 
more of a, of a huge pond and lake than it was anything else. And then we started hearing tail slaps. We started seeing beavers. Well, and now you can't even walk through. I mean, it's at least three feet deep yep. everywhere you walk with water yep. in the marsh. So bugs. that marsh was, we used to deer hunt it and turn into underwater. Um, so that really, I think, accelerated our interest in tra trapping. Mm -hmm. And you've been the best weapon in getting rid of the beavers. Um, and other things, uh, you know, we talked about at some point, you, you caught a snappy turtle. <laughs> that was one too. Yeah, that was completely by accident though. I actually do have some, uh, I did purchase some snapping turtle traps, some of those hoop net traps, because I always wanted to try turtle, because everybody talks about turtle soup or so stuff like that, and wanted to try it. So last year, I actually set a couple snapping turtle hoops back in my property here to no fruition, didn't catch anything. So this year, um, trying to, I think it was the first time we actually set some 330s out there trying to get the nuisance beavers. I set a couple beaver runs, <laughs> not knowing what we were really doing. And first night, they set two beaver traps and I caught two snapping turtles in the 330s. <laughs> One really good snapper. Yeah. Legally, too, I mean, I, I I don't know if you can legally catch them in 330, but it was a legal snapper in season. Um, yep. Pretty neat experience. Yeah. I, I don't know if we want to get into the whole cleaning experience of snapping turtles, but for those of you who have never cleaned a snapping turtle, it's an experience in itself. It's unsettling. Yeah. I, I'm just going to, I'm going to be pretty blunt on this. I butchered a lot of things and Mark has too. We've dispatched a lot of animals. Uh, we, I'm going to just be honest about it, we shot it in the head with a 22. We lopped off the head with a hatchet, and we fought with the carcass for an hour and a half trying to skin it. Yep, and it was still moving even after we had half the carcass out of it. it was... And when you say moving, one person with a vice grips, you know, for Mark is over six foot tall, in good shape, Holding his, well, we'll say holding his, as hard as he could, trying to pull the arm out of the shell. It was unsettling with no head. That's all I can say about it. Yeah, it, it's a different experience. So if you've never done it, it's it's interesting, to put it bluntly. It, and and the, the, the scales on that, the hide, I don't even call yeah. it hide, the like leather. Leather, it, like dull a knife. Um, like alligator, it, really. yeah, it was very similar. I've never done that, but I gotta imagine it's similar to that. But what I will say is, though, the end product when you made turtle soup oh, was one of the best things I've ever ate. Yeah, if you've never tried turtle soup, I highly recommend it. And when they say it's tastes like chicken, I don't know if it tastes like chicken, I would say the texture, the texture yeah. is very similar. It's, it's very and it's like not offensive to your palate no, at all, no, at, no, at all. Yeah, so I actually really enjoyed it, but um, so got off on a little tangent there. But we were trying to trap beaver and ended up with that, and it was a little discouraged right off the bat. And then we started watching, like everybody else who wants to learn how to do something, you log into YouTube and you start watching videos. So started figuring out how to do some drowning rat sets and stuff like that, and came. Uh, Built some drowning rod sets over the week while I was back at home and bought a couple, uh, what are they? I think Bridger number fives, yeah. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're pretty much like a wolf set, aren't yeah. they? For a leg hold? They're big traps. So, they're huge. Made two of those sets and set them, and the first night we had a beaver. Yeah. 
And it, so that was the highlight of that weekend. It was just an awesome experience. A couple guys yeah. not knowing what we're doing. And that was, it was nice because your dad was up. Yep. Paul was up. Cindy was up, my wife. Yep. And you and we, we all took pictures with, with the beaver. We butchered yep. it in your garage. Um, I would say that was, to me, that was as exciting as if there was a deer hanging there. Oh, absolutely. It was a first, right? So anytime yeah. you do a first, it's pretty cool. And I think that one was a two-year-old. So it was, I think it was 25 pounds or something like that. It's not huge, but decent. Well, for me personally, I've never put hands on a beaver up to that point. So I thought it was huge until I seen the next one he got. <laughs> at, at least a... Uh, um, Outdoor beaver, right? Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, all right, that might get edited. <laughs> no, we're keeping that um, Yeah, that was just the first experience. And then I think, what was it, the next weekend already? I think Josh yeah. and I came, my son Josh, he and I came up and we went and because we let all the traps out there. So do we at some point we should probably do some introductions on who, because you're going to hear a lot of the same names over and over. Uh, Josh being your son, Paul being your dad, Phil being my dad, Cindy being my wife, Liz being your wife. Yeah, we'll, we'll have a test on this later for a little bit. Yeah, you're going to hear a lot of the same names of all with our, yeah. our circle here. So, um, but yeah, the, uh, so the following weekend, my son Josh, he and I came up and... As we left all the traps kind of just out there, we disarmed them, of course, because you can't leave them set without checking. Wisconsin has a 24-hour check rule. So we disarmed them but let them sit out there so everything was set and we didn't have to do that. So it was a quick setup. We went out and did that. I think the Friday we got up here or whatever. And we went out there the next morning, and we had another. One of them was one of them was set off. So we're pulling it up, and I'll never forget this could tell there's some weight on there. I'm thinking, yeah, we got one here. And all of a sudden, because the water here is really brown. Mm -hmm. Stained with tannin, yeah. Yeah, stained with tannin. So no clarity whatsoever. You can't see six inches into the water. And all of a sudden, it just happened, like in fast motion, the beaver had popped out of the water. It scared the crap out of me. <laughs> I almost fell out of the canoe. <laughs> and Josh was just laughing his ass off at me. But anyway. And saw the head pop out. After I regained my balance, I pulled it out. I could hardly get that son of a bitch in the canoe. What did it end up being? Forty-eight or fifty-two? No, 50, fifty-two or fifty-three? 50, I think it was, somewhere in there. It was, it was over fifty. Yeah, fifty-two pound. So it was a huge. In my opinion, it was a huge beaver. So obviously one of the mature ones. Yeah, back there. for an outdoor beaver, it's yeah. huge. Indoor beaver, that's yeah. I, I know it's no record by any means, but. Might be the biggest one I ever catch. And that, so at the end of the day, end up skinning it. And um, another thing that I like to do is I toy around with taxidermy. And the, my, one of my hobbies, I guess I would say that. So I went in my wife's berms in the backyard and cut a couple branches out of there and made a, made a hoop, you know, like to stretch the pelt. And, Ended up making a nice blanket pelt that Brad's now displaying in his cabin. Absolutely. And just so we describe the setup, so my marsh is probably, I'm going to say, eight, nine acres. I mean, it's, it's decent size. I mean, it's not a huge marsh, but it's a, it's a runoff area. 
Um, traditionally, least, we've had a pond on there. It's probably at least six, seven. Eight yeah, I, I think it's pretty. It's it's a pretty good sizable chunk. Um, we describe the pond. So what the beavers did is built a dam. We probably two or three it's feet huge. above the water level to block the water. Oh, it's more than that. That's just what we see. That's what we've seen. It is probably what two hundred yards long. I mean, when if you follow it, it's huge, um, yeah. it's substantial. So I mean, it wouldn't. Mark said his drowning rods, or when we said drowning rods on that, we put a, what, two, three feet foot chunk to get the water going so they'd come dam it up. Yeah. Um, and Mark's absolutely right. Based off nothing more than watching YouTube videos and Mark's hand, handiwork, you know, welding those drowning rods and make sure that everything, the, those washers slid down. And I was amazed at the size of the, the, the leg hole traps, those number fives. <laughs> that is a huge, a huge I would have thought it would have went right and right well, through the foot where you get a, a beaver foot on there, and absolutely not. Well, when That's, you look at how big those beaver rear feet are, uh, the webbing in it, those The, the pads, I, I would say it's almost, the pad itself is similar, it's closer to a coyote as far as the actual size of the foot. But the webbing, the, with the webbing and stuff, I mean, that's can, a big foot. It can span five inches mm -hmm. a bit, which you need a big trap to get it inside there. Yeah, or it's just gonna spring the trap and it, yeah, fly you're, it. yeah, you're you're gonna miss it there. Right. So I mean, we we set a couple number four dukes or whatever out there, hoping to get them in the front foot or whatever, but we never had any. But even the, the leg those. itself, though, that's a substantial. I mean, a it number is. five. That's a big trap. And most things that would just chop it off. Chop it right off. That's that's a bigger yeah. and granted, you're talking about two guys who don't know up to this point didn't know much about beaver trapping. Um I don't know if it would chop it off, but there's there's significant pressure. I don't know if how do I say this? I don't know if there's any more pressure than an uh other type of trap, like a number four a coyote trap with the spring size. Gotcha. For the I think it's just the jaw yeah. size that opens it up more. Maybe it's a little bit bigger spring size just to fire it quicker. I don't know, but um, trap, I think there'd I mean, be a little more tension on there because the bigger the animal, you would think with less tension, if everything's the same, they'd be able to pull that out a little bit. I don't know, I mean, a lot of tension on some of the smaller. I mean, not that it's the same size spring, but you were setting the number one Bridger day, and look yeah. at how much struggle you had just trying to. Granted, it's not the perfect trap to set up. And because granted, the, I'm very weak. And, well, uh, the levers just aren't very big to get in there and everything like that, too. There's not a lot of leverage, I guess is the yeah. best way to put it. But there's a lot of pressure on even some of those smaller traps, spring-wise, spring tension. So I'm sure they've got bigger springs on the number fives than they do on the number ones. But regardless, they're still... It's not going to snap a leg. Yeah. But. No, I, I I just want to say it in my mind, though. It, it seems, I guess, maybe that's a wrong correlation. Because remember when we first, you had your garage up here, and you had a woodchuck in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Little bastard. And we set the leg hole trap, and I came up to bait bear, and obviously we got we got the woodchuck. I didn't find the body right away, but I found a leg in there. That's because he chewed it off. Yeah, you're probably right. He did snap it right. You're right. Yeah. He did chew it right off. Yeah. Animals, um, like raccoons and stuff like that, if you leave an animal in a trap too long, that's why they have the 24-hour trap check yep. in Wisconsin. Nope, I get that. They yeah. will chew their own leg off because it goes numb. And I know it sounds gross, but it goes numb and they can't feel it. So they'll actually chew it off. It won't be able to. And they don't feel it and it's just to escape. 
No, it's a good thing I'm not an animal then, because I'd probably just lay there and be a wuss about yeah, it. I, I couldn't chew my own limb off. No, no. <laughs> but, so anyways, I mean, so we set a few traps today, and anticipations are high for tomorrow. Hopefully we get something back there, because we got to get, I mean, for Brad's sake, we got to get that swamp back lowered to where it was. We don't want to drain the whole thing, because... It's nice having a uh, pond back there. Yeah, but, I but mean, put in the context that they have destroyed a good chunk of my hardwoods there, or, yeah. uh, where, where I used to deer hunt, and they used to be able, the deer used to be able to walk through. That is all underwater. Mm-hmm. Lost a lot of woodland because of them. And Yeah, and even your woods over there where the trail is, it's becoming flooded over there now, too, where you need yeah. knee boots just to walk through there in some areas, yeah. which that was never the case before either, so. Oh, I like came out of there, and it's been it's been fun doing this. To be honest with you, it's been a whole new experience, and I'm very new to the trapping game. And we've talked about as the, the podcast go on, goes on to having some uh, guys who've trapped a lot longer than us, and mm-hmm. you know educate us more. But most of our trapping experience is watching YouTube videos and reading. And I gotta believe though, even if we get these beavers under control now, there's there's so much bit, marshland yeah. back there that. Ones will move more back into this property again eventually anyway. So mm-hmm. this will probably be an ongoing battle over the years. But well, having said that, we just realized there's another beaver lodge out yeah. there this year too. So um, now there's two beaver lodges within 50 yards of each other mm-hmm. back there. So obviously that one wasn't there before. So right. more beavers are either that or maybe it was the two-year-olds that got kicked out last year that built that one. I don't know. But... It's an expanding population. Absolutely. So better get under control now. And I don't know. And by the way, beaver meat's not bad. <laughs> yeah, that's what we, you talk about, or we both talk about, something we believe in thoroughly. Neither of us want to take a life of any animal mm-hmm. unless we're going to use that. And, it's you know, you, you kind of talked about what you did with the pelt, you know, with the, mm-hmm. the taxonomy part of it, which is awesome. And we'll put pictures on the website of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but also with the meat. We uh we, we definitely we we did what, what kind of braised it, put in a slow cooker. We did some uh, beaver tacos with it. Really, it's good, yeah. really pretty good. Um, I'd say better than pretty good. It's decent. Uh, I think the only reason you're hesitating is because I don't think we got all the. Is it? I don't think we rinsed it well enough, and there might have been a little bit of lingering castor. Yeah, there was definitely a little bit of that. That's just kind of you know, learn, learning curve on our part. Uh, but we also trapped a, a coon this year, and we tried that. That was gross. It wasn't terrible. I mean, for a survival situation, I could have eaten it. Um, in hindsight, I, I think... <laughs> survival situation? I think I might not have gotten all the glands out of there, to be truthful. But, um, yeah, it wasn't the best thing I've ever eaten in my life. But survival situation... It would keep me alive. All right. So if you're going to survival situation, I'd definitely eat it. But I, I would say like beaver. Yeah. Well, that, that's something. Cooking that up, I, I think if if, you, if it's prepared properly, which, again, we're, we're beginners on this, I think it's better than average. I think it's pretty good. I mean, texture was closer to beef, I thought. Yeah, I, I thought so, too. So that's something I would actually look forward to um, having for dinner. The coon, um, if I had to for survival. It'd be, I'd eat it. 
It wasn't the worst thing I've ever eaten, but it, it's not something I would look forward to. What if you had that horse on coon with glands, and I just think I got to ask that. I, well, I'm just thinking I wouldn't. I'd probably put that ahead of a stunk or something like that for oh, the survival gotcha. situation. Um, but it was very greasy, and it had that greasy smell. And I think that was any worse than anything was the greasy smell, and just. I don't think the meat was actually that bad. I think it was the smell and the texture of the texture had a greasy texture to it too that you just couldn't overcome. And so one, we did that in the slow cooker too. Maybe well, there's different ways. But to with do both it. of us, so I mean, we're both pretty adventurous eaters. I mean, we, we're not afraid to try northern eggs to uh, northern <laughs> out of the garbage can too. <laughs> That's gonna need some explanation. <laughs> But neither of us are, are shy about doing that stuff. We're, we're always open to trying new stuff. We, you know, regardless, especially if it's wild game and stuff we can do ourselves. Um, so it's not like we're prissy eaters, I guess. We're not picky eaters when it comes to that kind of stuff. Neither of us are. No. Uh, so we'll try anything. It was just, and I'm sure there's someone out there that could probably say, I'll cook you coon. That'll be delicious. And I, would probably, I would try it. I would. As a matter of fact, I mean, we were kind of joking about this, about muskrat and trying that. Actually, muskrat is supposed to be very good. It really is. Do you hear the crickets on the side of the mic? <laughs> I do. But um, so watching my YouTube church videos and stuff like that, um, there's guys that say even your buddy Steve Ranella says muskrat is, like, I think it was beaver and muskrat are right on the same level. They're both very delicious. I would, I would yeah. try it. I don't. It I've seems seen, a little I've weird, but never. I, I I've heard from a number of people that beaver is actually delicious. I yeah. mean that that it's not hard to find it. Looking on the internet, well, looking at videos well, like muskrat. Though who's going to try it? But I've heard people that um, try it, and even Coon Creek Outdoors. I watch his videos too, and he was doing a live video, and he was frying up muskrat in his skinning shed. I, I just can't. Yeah. I, I will try it. I'm, I'll, a, I'll follow you down that road. I'm I just haven't not. Tried it. It's supposed to be good. Okay. I'm just telling you what I heard right. on YouTube. It was on the internet. It's got to be true. Got to be true. Now try anything. So, um, but regardless, even if we don't eat the muskrat, uh, again, I do taxidermy on the side and stuff mm -hmm. like that. So I try to utilize the animal, artistic expressions, that sort of thing. But with the meat you can we do other trapping so that meat can be used for bait for other trapping and stuff like that too so um nothing goes to waste around here i guess is the point I'm trying to make oh absolutely yeah i we're not uh we're not glory killers none no. of i mean we me and we both had this conversation none of us particularly like killing an animal i mean that's the worst part about it and it's unfortunately just part of the reality of what we like to do though i i like the know where my food comes from comes from um i enjoy the hunt i enjoy all that and that's just part of the app the, the part of the that process yeah. um and i'll say right now sorry to all you trophy hunters out there for deer but i enjoy venison way too much to wait for big horns to come through so um you're not going to hear that from me I'll tell you right now i'm go i'm gonna fill my freezer mm -hmm. and if that's a small buck or a doe I'm okay with that because you know what? Once it's wrapped up in the freezer, I can't tell if it was a buck or a doe. Yeah. No, it's it's all about the meat. It's all about even utilizing all that. I mean, heart, 
liver, if, if I have the opportunity to process it quick enough. Quick enough, yeah. Uh, the heart is actually a very delicious organ. A lot of people oh, I love it. turn their head at that. So what's your, what if, ideally, heart, how do you have it? I like to uh, marinate it in, like, Worcestershire sauce and stuff like that. In a, just a Ziploc baggie for, say, several hours to a day. Mm-hmm in the fridge and then just throw it on the slice it up into strips and throw it on the grill i i to me any wild game i don't care what it is i mean maybe exception for a, a few things like with uh ducks and geese but anything on the grill mm-hmm. whether it's a tenderloin whether it's heart whether it's uh you know liver anything like anything you can throw on open open flame i like it liver not so much i'm backtracking that a little bit there's some stuff i like to do with liver like liver and onions we've talked about doing like a brown swagger or liver pate i i used to be one of those kind of snobs like heart he's gonna eat that and tell you what once i tried it i was hooked Mm -hmm. it was delicious it's probably one of the more delicious cuts of meat out of a deer that i've had I like it chopped up, like I said. I use a, like a Montreal steak seasoning, marinate in that, throw it on the freaking grill. Uh, I haven't tried your tongue yet. I mean, people say the tongue is pretty good, but I haven't tried that in that. You can get a boil and all that stuff at a time, too. But I don't know. I think I would try like, I'm not opposed to, to tongue at all. I think it looks actually pretty good. I mean, it's a, it's a muscle. The problem with whitetail tongue, there's not much there. Like, Andy's brought back elk tongue where they're, you know, three inches thick. Okay, I can get down with that. Whitetail tongues. Is it? That, I never really. Yeah, they they brought it back. I don't know if he's ever tried it or if he just when he, they butchered it. But I, I just I I'm not. I, I would do it. I'd try anything once. I guess I never cut that out just to try it. So I don't know what big it is. I think Andy did last year for Wild Game Weekend. Uh, it was that small? Huh? And then we never ended up cooking it though. But it ended up being in his freezer. So. But yeah, the point is, we'll try it. If we don't like it, it gets turned into bait. Yeah. Yeah, you're not going to waste any of it. Absolutely not. And even if the meat goes to bait, the hide still gets put to something useful. So we, in the spirit of doing things outdoors-ish, um, while we haven't done it yet, we're collecting coon skins and coyote skins for making our own hats and gloves yep. and stuff like that too. So that'll be a different episode once we actually start doing it. But we're, we're starting to collect the skins for that now. Yeah. As we do that, maybe we'll post some pictures and videos on how we do that. I mean, because yeah. uh, like I say, we're both pretty handy. But uh, some of that stuff, yeah, you know, when you're using the hides uh, for hats and mittens and uh, stuff like that. It's kind of just cool to to do that stuff. So you made it yourself. Absolutely. Make yeah. say, I mean, there, there's part of that, that I can't deny it, that I like, I will say bragging, but I like that we do all that stuff ourselves. Well, it's kind of like, the, I mean, not to get off on tangent, but kind of like making the maple syrup, too. Yeah. It's something that just, we started on a whim up here one year, and I've never been a fan of natural maple syrup. I always like the cheap sugar. Oh, and Mrs. Butter. Yeah, it's, it's good too. stuff. Yeah. And then all of a sudden we started making our own, and then all of a sudden now it, I've 180 degree flip flopped. I can't stand the store bought and sugary crap, and all I eat is the stuff that we make. And maybe I'm a little biased, but I don't know. It's just doing stuff yourself like that just always seems to me to taste so much better. 
all homemade's always better. I mean, that's one thing we've always talked about. Um, even since we first met each other, well, anything you do yourselves. Making the sausages yeah. and stuff like that. Making your sausage, ring bologna, you know, butchering your own deer. We don't take anything to get processed. Yeah. We do all that stuff ourselves. Yeah. I think the last time, <laughs> here's a good bring out the the cheaper, the cheap guy in me. I was going to probably use phrase I probably shouldn't use, but um, I think the last time I actually took a deer in to be processed was when I was like a freshman or a sophomore in college. And You're 76 years old right now, so that's... I know, it's a long time ago. Fuck you. But, um, and I got the bill <laughs> and being a broke college student and all of a sudden it's like 350 bucks for everything I ordered because I had no idea what I was doing. That was an eye-opener for me and I never went back again. Yeah. So I think it took me like two years to pay off that bill. <laughs> what? So, the, so when you do wild game, any kind of wild game that you're going to process, it's not cheaper because if you broke down the price per pound, it's for, okay, I'll just go with venison. So whether it's you're doing your own sausage, you're doing your own hot sticks, you're doing whatever, it's super expensive to shoot venison when you've taken the count of equipment you have. The, so, the, yes, but I'm going to disagree with you on the fact of just the sheer fact of processing it, breaking it down. So skinning it and breaking it down into, um, like, steaks mm -hmm. and stuff like that. I will guarantee you it's cheaper other than maybe the vacuum sealer that you got to purchase but other than that it's just what well, what do you do with your scraps though are you grinding them maybe because <laughs> it costs money to have a grinder costs money to have a mixer as costs money to have a smoker even if you're building your own you, i mean obviously you, build you don't own. need a um, mixer you can do a lot of processing without all those different things yes you probably want a grinder and mm -hmm. yes you probably want a, um i was gonna say a grinder is probably the biggest thing you don't need a mixer it's nice how about a stuffer you don't need a stuffer you can do that with a kitchen aid if you have the right okay. tube how much you can do that with a grinder too yeah you can you can do that with a grinder yep so you don't need it. Again, it's nice to have. Um, you do need some sort of smoker, whether that's a pellet smoker or you build your own. So yeah, I get that. But again, once you make that initial investment, you can get started pretty cheap. I mean, a grinder you can get for 100 bucks. So yeah, this is what I'll say. So we're, we're not getting the semantics on. What I would say, it's not really about saving money to me. It's about being connected to the meat the entire time. Boy. I will 100% agree with that. Because I, I... you still do save money. Especially in the long run. The longer you do it, yes. I mean, if you're doing it for one year, we're like, okay, this is kind of cool. I'm going to yeah, do it this might, year. You might not save money if you just do, buy everything for one year. And but if you it. do it over time, eventually everything's going to pay for itself. Absolutely. But if you want to break down how much it costs to actually shoot deer yeah. from the cost of your license and all that stuff, it's very expensive. So, okay, I got to put this in context. So you and I are slightly different than the majority of people, I would say, because when we do something, you hear the mantra, go big or go home. Oh, that's, <laughs> yes. My we wife right now is, we don't when, when my wife listens to this, she's like, yep, yep. We don't really do anything half-assed. So if, we, if we're going to do something, we usually dive in head first and we get stuff. 
And so in Brad's situation, yeah, he's going to go by the 50 horsepower grinder and 45 uh, horsepower grinder <laughs> and the 25 gallon mixer and the 84 gallon stuffer. And, you know, he's going to get the things that he could use to commercially process an elephant. Um, if, but if, if they, for the record, if I could draw an elephant tag in Wisconsin, I would apply. You know what would be my meals I could get out of an elephant? Oh, I don't know. Yes. But anyways, <laughs> I think we can get off a little. Of no, I, I, I think you're right on track. <laughs> oh, so what's on the schedule for tomorrow? Well, I think tomorrow morning, wake up, slight headache. Probably tell you right now, probably have a slight headache in the morning. Um, we need to go truck traps. Yep. Like to see what we have. I'm hoping we have one critter. I'd like to have a beaver, but I mean, rat would be good. Um, get done with that. Uh, we're going to go fishing tomorrow. We got to do something in between there. Better not say cut wood. No. Oh, no. I... A little GoPro action down the road? No, it's going to be afternoon. Is it? Yeah, After it's afternoon. Fishing? Yeah, totally. No, I need a few beers before we're doing it. Oh, okay. So, just to clarify, sort of podcast here, uh, Mark has an old sled that he rebuilt. And when I say old sled, it's got like the, the runners on the it. The metal like, uh, runners. The yeah. metal runners. We have a slight change in elevation. We have a pretty good downhill hill down the road where it's packed down. It's like a snowmobile trail, but it's on ice. Almost right. It's road a gravel is, road that's covered up. Yeah. So, it's all packed down. It's yep. all ice now. Perfect. Perfect tradition for that sled. Uh, Mark's original idea, when he was sober, was to pull the other person down with either a snowmobile or a four-wheeler. And slingshot. And slingshot with a GoPro. And we, we obviously will post this. And um, see how far we can make it. We'll each have to do it to see who makes it further. Yep, to see if there's like a weight issue. Because, I mean, we're, we're within 20 pounds of each other, I would think. Um, so, I, I, you know, that sounds awesome. Especially now since it's been drinking for a while. Um, but I don't think that's a 9 o'clock in the morning well, thing. Or we could do it 9 o'clock in the morning and 4 o'clock in the afternoon to see if the beer makes any difference. Could definitely do that. Because I could see the four-wheeler going a little faster in the afternoon. Well, yeah, that's <laughs> valid point. So that, that is going to happen. But I think we want to go try to get some walleye in northern tomorrow. We're going to be on Butternut. Yeah. Um, try to see what we can do there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're going to do some pre-scouting because in a couple of weeks we got a, our annual guys ice fishing weekend yep, coming up here. Huge podcast event, uh, huge event for us. We've been doing it for you. You started this obviously, and I'm an adopted brother. Well, uh, yeah, we we started the ice fishing weekend, but then you and your family started renting a cabin out on Butternut, yeah. which kind of got us to do that, yeah. which was a great idea because that way we don't have to worry about. We don't have to draw straws anymore. Who's driving home from the ice? Yep, absolutely. <laughs> well, it turned out really. We've never been about the quantity of fish. I mean, it's just nice to get some action. But we've done really good the last couple of years. Yeah. Last year, because you're texting, we two on the wall. I mean, I'm mm -hmm. not definitely not bragging. This is not normal. But what eight pounder, nine pound walleye? I mean, that's yeah. pretty good. Yep. And then both, a handful both of them were twenty eight inches and probably eight to nine pounds. Yeah. And then a handful of uh, just really good eating walleye. I mean, we had a couple that, yeah. you know, those good 14 to 15 inch. I think we keep a couple of those and we've got a some perch. And, yeah. A few perch. Yeah. Got some uh, pickled uh, fish for Scott, your brother. And 
played some sheephead. <laughs> and Mike passed out. Yeah. Which that'll be an ongoing joke for everybody who doesn't my brother Mike. He has a uh, he likes to celebrate and party when we're together because he doesn't get out a whole lot. So when he gets out here, he lets her rip, and then yeah. <laughs> we all make fun of him later. Well, on. Well, for me and you, this is like an every as as often as possible. We like to do this. Um, not so much for Mike. Doesn't make it up as much as we do, and celebrate when he does. Nothing wrong with that. It's an excellent sound. <laughs> so, well, we'll see what tomorrow brings, and we'll probably update everyone on. How the fishing was, how the trapping was, and until next time. Yep. Happy hunting. Yep. Thanks for listening. <laughs>